Thank you, Mary Dale. Miracles. Did they happen? Did they not? Something might have taken place that they could say explained what had happened. Something logical, natural was taking place. And yet, maybe there was nothing else that it could explain what happened other than to say it was a miracle. Does it even matter if the miracle occurred or not? I don't think so. Now, let me be clear that I strongly believe that God, being all-powerful, could have done the things in the Scripture exactly as they are written and recorded for us. But whether this is a factual account or some metaphoric story is not at the heart of what is taking place. Jesus is preaching and is said to have authority because he is actually doing what he is preaching. His authority is derived from being not just a messenger, but a doer. Let me put this in perspective for you. Mark breaks his gospel into two distinct parts with two different things. In the first half of his gospel, which we're going to focus on, he presents Jesus as a man of authority and action. In Matthew's Gospel, in contrast, the teachings of Jesus are emphasized much more. In Mark's Gospel, the miracles of Jesus are the part that are most emphasized. Mark has the action of his Gospel tumbling all over itself. Things change, events occur, because Jesus made them happen. And throughout Mark's Gospel, we hear him say, Immediately this took place. Urgently he went here. Throughout the Gospel, they're moving from one action to the next. Christ was a man of action and authority. In, in the first 35 verses, or starting with verse 14, Mark says Jesus called his disciples. How did he do it? He stepped into their lives, and he commanded them, Come, follow me. And they did. They left everything and followed Jesus. Jesus was a commanding, authoritative presence. Jesus cast out an evil spirit. He commands men to follow him, and they do. He commands demons to leave. And they do. Next, in these same 35 verses, Mark said he healed many people of various diseases. Then he cast out more demons. Then he heals a man with leprosy. Then he heals a man who is paralyzed. And then finally, he claims for himself the authority that only God possessed. He claimed he could forgive another man's sins. Immediately. Mark presents Jesus as a man who is decisive, commanding, and authoritative. And what was the impact of all this? 
Well, we just read it, didn't we? Mark 1, verse 22. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Friends, the good news of Jesus Christ spread because he was actually living out the faith that he boldly talked about in both a passionate and compassionate way. So throughout history we see some struggle with this acceptance of miracles, especially since in the United States we are coming off the entitlement minds or not the enlightenment mindset. So we're more scientific minded. Thomas Jefferson, one of our founders, edited the Bible to because to his scientific mind the miracle stories detracted from the core of the message. The Jefferson Bible simply omits all the miracles and some other supernatural occurrences and stick to the life and teaching of Jesus. Unfortunately, this has the effect of making Jesus a great moral man and a great teacher of philosophy. Jefferson had thrown out the proverbial baby, thrown out that baby with the bathwater. I get it, that miracles are hard to swallow, and it makes the Jesus story so much more comfortable without them in it. And that's exactly the problem. Jesus has not come to make people comfortable. He came to turn normal and status quo upside down and on their heads. He frees a man from demons without asking for money, which was an economic blow to the traveling exorcists of his day. Religious leaders of the day talked at length on and on and on about rituals and theological correctness. But they did very little to live out the faith that they so passionately wanted to debate each other about. Scribes, Pharisees, and Sadducees argued about whose interpretation of the scripture and law was most correct. Who cares? Yet the people who needed their care were left wanting. In fact, rather than healing the sick and demon-possessed, the religious establishment pronounced judgment and labeled the hurting and tortured unclean. Finally, finally, someone teaches and does something useful to empower the people who need it the most. So I ask you, can you imagine miracles happening? It does not have to be that miracles occurred just as they are written. Maybe something else was taking place. Regardless, Jesus was doing something incredible and new by having genuine compassion as the heart of his ministry. Now, he did end up debating the religious leaders on occasion when they directly challenged him. But he did so in the hopes 
that they would see the error of their ways, that they could realize that instead of passionately debating each other about who was the most right, they could instead become passionate to those who needed them so desperately. Christ was eventually feared by the religious leaders because he was demonstrating authority through his wise teaching, his miracles, and his compassionate actions. He was a direct threat to their religious institution, their own power. In releasing a person from a demon, Jesus is liberating the oppressed rather than further oppressing them. I believe this is the part that even Thomas Jefferson would agree with, that Jesus was a social and religious revolutionary. That is critical to, for us to understand who Jesus was and what he is doing here in Mark's Gospel. Christ taught and healed to make others more complete and to free them from whatever it was that had them bound up. It is sad to think that this kind of compassion was being considered a new thing. So I ask you one more time, can you imagine miracles happening? God breaking into ordinary circumstances to improve the lives of others. This is not a God concerned with an individual's level of cleanness or uncleanness, of purity or impurity. Instead, God is concerned simply with restoring a person to wholeness once again. Where is the wonder and the amazement without the healings, multiplications, calming of the storm, and the resurrections? I believe we miss out on the mystery and awesomeness of God by not accepting the miracles. Of course, we can have our beliefs that maybe things did not happen exactly the way in which we received them. But maybe they did. I wonder, have you seen miracles in your own life or the lives of those around you? People recover from diseases or accidents that should have killed them. People afflicted with demons have been set free in our modern age. Many have experienced the mystery of the divine acting in their lives in ways that are hard to put into words and make us wonder sometimes if, well, you know what I mean. Could that be a miracle? We should not attempt to make the gospel more palatable and easy to explain. It is meant to be shocking and unexplainable. The good news for us is that Christ enacts His powerful teachings. He doesn't just preach and teach. 
but he puts meat to his words. He teaches and preaches and puts those words into action. God continues to break into lives here and now. Christ continues to restore people to wholeness right here in our very community. The Holy Spirit still continues to move in ways that are unpredictable. One evidence that I learned about this morning is that the Methodists in Pittsburgh are having a revival. You don't hear about that every day. Maybe us Presbyterians are next. Evil spirits are cast out so that people have a chance to live free from oppression. So friends, let us not be ashamed of spreading the good news of a Redeemer who does incredible and awesome miracles. We do not have to understand how Jesus turns water into wine. We merely enjoy the wine and that he did such an incredible miracle so that people could experience joy and the blessing of God, a God of abundance. We do not need to understand how the blind regain their sight, but instead we celebrate alongside them that they have been given new vision. Miracles are the meat that many in our world today are seeking. People are hungry and thirsty to have incredible things happen to them. How can we show people love, grace, and forgiveness rather than just talk about it? Call it what you will, when we show to others the compassion and unconditional love that Christ himself showed to each and every one of us, that, that, my sisters and brothers, is truly a miracle. That God has shown each of us grace that we do not deserve. And we have the opportunity to share that grace with others. This, I believe, is the greatest miracle of God and a gift to each and every one of us, a gift that we must share. To God be all the glory. Hallelujah.